Now joining me here on Thursday Night Tailgate is Frank Jasper. Those of you who know me well know that the movie Vision Quest is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Frank played the character of Brian Shute and did an outstanding job of playing a guy who was quietly intimidating and to me was the representation of a goal, a goal that no one thinks that you can achieve. Frank not only played a high school wrestler, he was a high school wrestler. He wrestled at 112 pounds on the JV team. In his senior year, he wrestled at 155. He went to college at Eastern Washington University and earned his degree in sports medicine. He went on to earn his master's degree in oriental medicine at Yosan University in Los Angeles. He is also certified in acupuncture, clinical nutrition, meridian stress assessment, craniosacral therapy, and reflexology. Frank holds a black belt in Aikido and is a Reiki master. He taught Qijong, which is a holistic system of coordinated body, posture, movement, breathing, and meditation used for health, spirituality, and martial arts training. And I'm thrilled to have him with me tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Frank, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Frank. How are you? That's the that's the more important question. Well, you know, I just I just got off the tennis court. I've been I've been pounding away at the tennis. I haven't played in two weeks, and then I got out there and played for almost three hours today. So I really got in a good workout. So I'm just in recovery mode at this point. <laughs> no doubt. I appreciate the effort, Frank, for from transitioning from a three-hour tennis match to coming and talking to me. I'm sure that's no small feat, but I appreciate it. You got it. And by the way, thank you so much. That was a beautiful intro. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I want to borrow it so any place I go anywhere else, I can, you know, put that out there because it sounds like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm sure you do, and I'm glad to share it with you. You let me know when you need it, and it's, and it's all yours, my friend. <laughs> so, Frank, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the movie Vision Quest. I've watched it more times than I can count. And and I think the story has held up well since 1985. I mean, we're still going on 30, a little over 36 years, as a matter of fact, since the movie came out in theaters. The story is a good one. You walk away feeling good. Do you feel good about it 36 years later? I am just so honored to be a part of this this movie that's endured and has inspired athletes. Uh, when it first came out in 1985, even to updated right now i mean it still is inspiring this next generation as well so it's like third or fourth i think we're into the fourth generation here so i mean it's just a beautifully laid out movie and every time i think like i'm going to go back and watch this see how it holds up the thing that i'm most uh proud i think and impressed about is that that just the, the timing it's just the pace of this movie really moves well. You don't get bogged down. It does give you the insight into what it's like to wrestle in a wrestling room. Also, it's just all about what kids are still dealing with, which is like, who am I in the world? You know, what about relationships? What do I want to be? How do I want to like challenge myself to really just kind of push myself to the limit? What can I possibly accomplish? And so that's my character, like you stated in the in the intro, it's like that's the the ultimate in regards to this this particular wrestling movie. It's like you got to beat the state champion. And Frank, and I, you, you talk about inspiring athletes. And I'm guessing at the time it was just another acting gig, but it's turned that movie has turned into a pretty important movie in a lot of people's lives. Have people shared that with you over the years? <clears throat> Absolutely, and. 
I, I have to say that most of the time when I, I just am so pleased when I hear from the military uh, uh, gentlemen that have reached out to me and said, listen, I, I did two tours in Afghanistan. This is what got me through. Uh, I mean, what else could you ask for? I mean, it just has made it very special to not just athletes, but also our servicemen. So I just, I, what else can I say? It's just brilliant that it, it has this kind of impact. So to that end, Frank, I mean, do you, in your quiet moments, do you, do you allow yourself to sort of just soak that all in? Like, look, I was a part of something that was really important to a lot of people in their lives, made a difference in a lot of people's lives. That's got to be pretty powerful, and kudos to you for doing it. I had no idea what I was walking into. You know, I thought for myself I was I was just going to go and be uh, an extra. They were just looking for this wrestler. And I, one of the um, the uh, guys that was in the movie already named Rick Seafall, he was an extra, and he was a wrestler. And he said, hey, they're still looking for somebody. They're still looking for somebody that's six foot tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, muscular build that can wrestle. And, and he looks at me and he goes, that's you. I mean, you've got to go in and you've got to do this audition. And I thought, well, I wasn't interested, but he convinced me. And I went in and I just thought, I'm going to, you know, be an actor and I'll be like an extra in the background. I'll get to see how a movie gets made. I'll get some money. It'll help me pay for my schooling. And so that's where my mindset was before we started filming. And even really after we started, the, we finished it. I just went right back to school and, and just was like, oh, I'm going back and finish my degree. Here we are 36 years later. You know, it, it's rocking and rolling. And, you know, it's, it's retro's big. Vision Quest is big. <laughs> and um, I'm still kicking. Frank, I'm curious about the famous scene of you climbing the bleachers, carrying a section of a telephone pole. I I was a bit surprised that they'd actually have you carrying a real telephone pole, and I learned that it actually was a real telephone pole. What was the conversation like when they were setting up that scene? Like, hey, Frank, we want you to pick up that telephone pole, and we want you to climb the bleachers there in this this football stadium. Whatever they had, you know, for me, it's like I'm showing up, I'm going to give this 100%. You know, anytime I do anything, it's, it's just like I'm going for it. And so this was just another scene. I thought it was just going to be like this simple little scene, and, and it, it really played well, and it's become this iconic scene. And I can't tell you how many people have said that that's the metaphor for life for them, was that that, that's the log that I was carrying on my shoulders was like all their challenges. That was what they were looking at. And so they really put it into a metaphorical kind of context. And so it had a very powerful impact. And, and it was, it's so fun because what you're doing is that movie, you don't see, you don't know anything about you. I mean, with, I should say you learn all these crazy things about you, how bad he is and how he's, you know, going after fireplaces and he's never, he hasn't lost and he's getting better and he's getting stronger and he builds his character, builds his character. And then the first time you see him is in the stadium carrying this log. And this guy is just brutal. You know, he's he's all business. <laughs> what a great opening for my character, right? And, Frank, years later, right, you guys actually auctioned off that telephone pole, right, that log. Didn't you guys auction it off for charity? Absolutely. We auctioned off a, a, a log that was actually created uh, in that image, actually. And it was auctioned off to Randy Couture. And he paid, uh, really just put in, you know, he put his money down. That all went 
to uh, support U.S. Wrestling Foundation. Frank, there are a lot of wrestling moves in the movie, obviously, right? Where I mean, you take down the character, the McLean character, and a pretty serious flip. I'm curious, did you guys do that in one take? Because if you took that in, in several takes, that poor actor, that poor kid had to get beaten up. And that surely couldn't have been easy for you to pick him up the way you did. Yeah, the interesting thing was we rehearsed this and so the crowd could get into it. This kid that's a wrestler came in there, not the guy that I actually wrestled in the scene, and he um, he volunteered. And so I threw this kid about four or five times. Now, when I was throwing this kid, we would actually throw. His feet would come off the ground. My feet would come off the ground. We both would be in midair and then land. And I was like, holy crap, this kid is going to feel sore tomorrow. <laughs> and then, we, you know, I think we shot it. It was only like one or two takes uh, for the McLean match. Um, so luckily he didn't get thrown as much or as high as his other kid. It was just like, wow, this was insane. I wish I would have had a video of that. <laughs> How long did you and Matthew Moudin have to train together to do your wrestling scenes? Um, by the way, the first time we ever did any wrestling together was when we started filming the final wrestling match. Wow. So, yeah, it's like, I don't know how, you know, these things work. I just show up and do what they tell me. And I worked with Tash Stone, who was the uh, coordinator, the wrestling coordinator, and he was the referee in the final scene. And another kid, uh, one of his wrestlers that had graduated and came back, he and I and, and Cash Stone were the ones that choreographed the entire match. And then we showed it to the producer or the director, I should say, Harold Becker. And Harold goes, okay, I like that. We want to see more of that. We want to do this. And that's how that whole final scene came together. And Frank, you were much bigger looking than Matthew in the movie. And I read, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that in the movie, you're, you actually experienced in real life what, Matthew Modine's character did. I mean, you, you had to cut weight. You know, in real life, I think you, I read you went from about two fifteen to one eighty nine in about two and a half weeks. And oh, by the way, did it about three or four different times as they called you back to do different scenes later on. And you had the bloody nose that Matthew Modine's character had. Talk about that had to be very tough on you. Yeah, you know that was a really hard cut. And I did some minor cuts when I was a wrestler. I didn't lose more than like five to six pounds if I was going to wrestle in high school. That was the max. But like when I was a bodybuilder, and I, that's how I was, I was weighing 215, just like you said, two weeks, you know, two and a half weeks before filming started. And they didn't even really tell me. They just said, hey, we want you to drop some weight um, to get you down to look a little bit closer to Matthew. And they didn't give me a specific number, but. I just looked at this thing like 168 pounds. That's not happening. So I'm just going to rip down as hard as I can and see where I end up. And that's where I ended up at 189 pounds. I was at 4% body fat. I was lightheaded. Uh, I did get a bloody nose during the filming of the final wrestling scene. I got an elbow during the match and they actually had to cauterize it. It would not stop. Um, you know, I could, it, it just hurt. I was, my toys were where I noticed it the most. They were on fire. They were like just 
breaking down. They were catabolizing because I was eating almost next to nothing. And then at the end of the day, I would get on a, you know, a stationary bike and ride for an hour. That's how I was cutting. So it was a super hard cut. And like you said, I did it three times total. Um, luckily there was three months between each time and each time that <laughs> they came back to me, I was waiting a little bit more. I, uh, the second time I was waiting 217, I was getting ready for a bodybuilding competition. I had to cut down. Then three months later after that, I was back up to 220. I got up to 225 and I was thinking, oh, I'm feeling big. And I got another call and cut down. I only could cut down to 200 pounds. I told him I can't go below that. It's just too hard on your body to do that too often, right? It's just not good. Um, and that's the scene where I'm wearing the jean jacket and it's in the bathroom and it's like, you're a bleeder. You know, I like to see blood, you know, that scene. Frank, another actor in the movie who would go on to do great things is Forrest Whitaker. He played one of Loudon's teammates at Thompson High. Did you get to know uh, Forrest at all? I spoke with him at just a very small amount of time and it was, um, He's a very nice guy, soft-spoken. He uh, had kind of his career kind of slowed down a little bit. He had, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He played one of the main characters, a football player, and he was uh, um, had done really well and gotten recognition there. And then it kind of had something, you know, just wasn't happening. And then he got Vision Quest. Well, during Vision Quest, he says, oh, yeah, I went in for this audition. Uh, they really like me. I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe getting the role. And it was Color of Money with Tom Cruise. Wow. And, um, wow, he killed the scene. And after that, it was like, forget about it. This guy is unleashed. His career has continued to just skyrocket. I mean, he's insane. This mm-hmm. guy, he's, I just watched him in, uh, play, um, Desmond Tutu in a movie. And I was like, God, he's so good at slipping into this character. He's so good at this. Has it always been fun? To be essentially be Brian Shoot, if you, I, I imagine there are people see you on the street yelling, "Hey, shoot!" People chanting, "Shoot!" When you're when you're walking around, that sort of thing. Is it always been fun, or is it sometimes like, oh, oh okay, man"? <laughs> you know what? Just about everybody, and you know how wrestlers are. They're they usually are very mindful. You can always get the odd character that's kind of being belligerent, but most of the time. These guys are quality individuals. If they're being coached properly, they're mindful, they're, they're courteous, they have some, um, humility and they're very thoughtful about coming up and talking. And, and like the very first time was uh, when I got to LA and I was stepped out of my car to put some gas in the car. And the, this kid goes, is this, are you shoot? And I go, yeah. He goes, can I pump your gas? <laughs> I said, sure. <laughs> so listen, I've, it's, it's paid big dividends. I didn't have to pump my gas that one time. <laughs> Frank, there have been a few anniversary screenings of the movie, and, and you and Matthew have been back uh, to be a part of some of those. Talk about sort of the, the cult following and what it's like to go back to some of the anniversary rescreenings of the movie. Well, that was the, the, the coolest thing, um, to see it again. I hadn't really watched it in almost 30 years and it was a 30 year anniversary when they showed it. They screened it in LA and, um, you know, again, I was like, well, I wonder how this is going to hold up, you know, uh, over time. And again, I just really enjoyed watching it. And most of the people that came to watch were not wrestlers. They were, um, 
study of uh, the arts. Some of them were actors. Some of them were writers. Some of them were producers. Some of them were directors. They had more questions about, you know, to uh, Harold because Harold Becker was there, and it was. I thought, wow, these guys are very well, you know, educated. They have some really smart questions to ask here. Um, it was really, it was a, it was actually very surreal uh, to be there and to experience that. When you're out there and uh, meeting with fans and that sort of thing nowadays, what are what are fans really curious about? What do they ask you about mostly when uh, when you have an opportunity to chat with the fans? Well, again, some of the questions you pose, like, okay, how much did you weigh? How much did Matthew weigh? Did you meet Madonna? How heavy was the log? Um, things like that. Following the movie, were you, were you typecast in that sort of role? You talked about doing, you know, a not so great movie and and some other things. Did uh, did the movie typecast you, or did it open other doors for you? Well, you know, I had never acted before. Uh, this was all new to me, and I just had uh, was considering just be going, you know, finishing my degree, going in to become a physical therapist. I was in a pre pre med. I was studying athletic training. I had put in my 4,000 hours. I had done my coursework. I just had my minor to take care of. And that's when the movie came out. And it got some really nice, uh, I guess, back in New York. It was where it premiered first. And then it came out to the West Coast. And uh, APA uh, saw it and said, well, hey, we really like your work. I'd like you to come down to L.A. and meet our, um, meet our rep there and maybe represent you. So it was a brand new experience for me to come to Los Angeles. And I just had to immerse myself in acting classes, which was Monday through Friday from six to midnight. And for three years, you know, and I got a couple other roles. One was a, uh, my very first commercial I got, I played a lifeguard. So the physique was uh, uh, an attribute for that. And then, I was covered up for this other TV show. I just played a drunken cowboy. So it's it, and I I landed a role in the live action show up at Universal Studios, which was Conan. I played a double swordsman, and so I love performing. I love the acting, and it's just you know I just uh, I just immersed myself for three years, and I became one of those actors that. <laughs> Did not take good care of himself. That drank way too much coffee. Didn't get enough sleep. Didn't get enough nutrition. And so my body started to break down. And that's when I just took a time out and started to take better care of myself. And I thought, well, I should really study something uh, closer to what I've been as my background. And that's when I decided on going into Oriental medicine, uh, studying acupuncture, herbology, uh, tuina, qigong, all those things that, that come in that practice. And spent five years. Uh, getting my master's degree, and then for the last 25 years, my wife and I have been have owned and operated Osani Holistic Healthcare. We focus on health, fitness, longevity, and clinical nutrition. So uh, I'm kind of coming out of that, and I'm looking to get back into acting again. So that's kind of a 30-year cycle for me, apparently. Over that period of time, talk about some of the things that you did. So we, we've talked about your positive impact on people's lives being a part of the movie, but you've also had that positive impact on people's lives by helping them live healthier lives. Talk about that. Well, I mean, it's one of my greatest joys is when you, you find somebody who's really struggling with their health, 
They could even be on multiple pharmaceuticals, which then give them all sorts of side effects. And when I'm able to, you know, bring them back into balance, help them with what I call food grade nutrition and lifestyle choices, and you can see that it completely changes their life. And there's just, I mean, it's such a profound experience to see that happen over and over and over again. And to you feel like, wow, I was just really blessed to have met this person to be able to help them. And like you said, it's like, I think it goes out exponentially. It comes and goes out like in a wave. Like how if they're feeling good and they're healthy, then the people they run into, their family members, they're going to be more in tune with them. They're going to have better relationships with them because they got a better relationship with themselves now. Um, and so it does go out and I did, I do feel really good. And I, and I'm still doing that. Um, I'm just not doing hands-on. I'm just doing primarily phone consultations. I do clinical nutrition. I'm actually working with a kid right now. You may or may not know his name is Nick Suriano. And, uh, unfortunately he had him, he got COVID on the way to the Olympic trials. And so that was just devastating, but. Uh, he's a great kid. You're going to see him and I'll, you'll see him come and do more things in the future. Um, his, his future is really bright, really great, uh, kid. I'm, I'm saying a kid because he's 20, 23. I'm 62. So he's, <laughs> he's a, he's a man and he's out there and he's following his passion. And I love being a part of that. I love being like, here's, here's how I can support you, man. And this is how we can get you to the best shape possible. Frank, I want to go back to uh, some things that I read that um, I'm sure were a big influence on your life. First, starting with your father. He was a black belt in judo. Talk about the example your dad set for you. Wow. Yeah. yeah my dad was an incredibly hard worker. He, uh, it was, he was an iron worker. And so if anybody knows what that's like, I actually worked as an iron worker for four years. Those are some of the toughest uh, individuals. I've ever run across. And I, I mean, in my entire life, I mean, these guys, yeah, listen, I walked out on the, um, to become an iron worker with two other guys. And I, I, I was there for four years as an iron worker. I got my journeyman's uh, card. And within that three, uh, four year period, one of us, one of the three of us died. And so it's like every day you step wow. out, every day you go out there, there's a chance you could die. You could get smashed. You could get hit. You could fall. This guy fell. And he didn't fall that far, but he fell far enough that it was over. Well, my dad had done that for over 30 years as an iron worker. Never missed a day. Never, never called in sick. Uh, Only time he didn't was when he broke his ankle and he was out for six weeks. Uh, He broke it skiing with us. He had taken all of us skiing as a family. And he just had wrenched it and broke it and he had to be out of work. So other than that, um, again, he was uh, always... uh, (laughs) <laughs> always a, an amazing individual because um, he would take these amazing jobs. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm using amazing a little too often there. But he would take these jobs and they wouldn't be the nine to five. They would be the 11 hours a day, seven days a week, because he wanted to get all that overtime in and then we could take time off and go do family uh, vacations. Um, so he worked, he was a hard worker. And, and I think it was a bit of a workaholic actually, but um Really gave us some great, you know, foundation. My mother's the same way, but my dad was, uh, influential as well because he is a black belt and he started, uh, judo, uh, 
club, which we got to be a part of. I was in about fourth, fifth grade, which is really good foundation, along with, you know, jujitsu for wrestling. I mean, you just, there's just so many crossovers there, you know, learning how you weigh around, uh, kinesthetic awareness, learning how to take a fall, learning how to do ground, you know, groundwork, all of that. Another thing that uh, I read that had an impact on you was Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, Education of a Bodybuilder. Talk yeah. about that. Well, my uh, I ended up not wrestling uh, for uh, a college right out of high school. I actually got a tennis scholarship. And um, so I was uh, on the North Idaho tennis team for a semester. And I just said, now, this is not what I want to do. And I had recently read his book, The Autobiography of a Bodybuilder, um, and said, that's what I want to do. I want to be a bodybuilder. <laughs> so um, my dad, you know, I, I said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You know, I'm not going to finish school. I'm going to go be a bodybuilder. And he, he took it in stride. But God bless him. And he said, okay, well, yeah, you're going to need to make a living. So you know, they're looking to hire iron workers there in the Tri-Cities. We'll see if we can get you out. And sure enough, I got a got a gig there in the Tri-Cities. I was working on a Hanford nuclear site. Um, and I was bodybuilding, you know, in the afternoons. If I was, I, sometimes I was working swing shifts. So I'd get up every morning, go work out. Um, so I was very excited that when I went to um, Eastern Washington, that I could really kind of really put in the gym time there. You know, I was training three days on, one day off, three days on, one day off. I never partied. They never saw me at any of these functions. I was, I was, you know, I, my goal was like, I was on the Dean's list every semester. That was part of what I wanted to make sure that I did. And I also was looking to just get as big as I possibly could. And so I was totally locked into bodybuilding. It was all, it was, that actually, I have to say, is Brian Shoot uh, in the in the weight room. That's how I was. That was my character when I went in to train. It was all business, and I I made sure that I did every bit of work in the gym, out of the gym, got the rest, got back. So my character really came from my uh, bodybuilding uh, training. When you're meeting with wrestlers or wrestling teams now, what message? do you want to leave them with? Oh, well, okay. So my focus, if I can make any impact in wrestling is to not make it a cutting sport. It's a wrestling sport. And if you are going to drop weight, then you need to do it the smart way. Like I said, I cut hard. And that was not the smart way for, you know, vision quest. Um, there is a smart way to do it. I align it out. Listen, I do a podcast every Tuesday around three 30 uh, Pacific coast. It's, put out by competitive edge. I want as much knowledge as I can pass on about nutrition to get into the wrestling community and to learn that it's just a, it, it can be just simple changes in your diet. You don't have to starve yourself. And it makes absolutely no sense to me to starve yourself, dehydrate yourself, overtrain so you can make weight and then expect yourself to perform at optimal levels at, at any kind of level, right? And competition, it just makes no sense. What it's like? Oh, we're going to go uh, deprive ourselves of all this, and then we're going to go into war. We're going to battle, and you've got no endurance, 
And I can't tell you how many people have said like, yeah, I, I, I made the weight and then I just died in the second period. So my goal is to share as much as I possibly can uh, in regards to this, just it altering uh, what you eat is, is the key and how much. Yes, but more about what? Uh, I just say primarily you got to take the white foods out, pro-inflammatory foods, the junk foods, the cookies, cake, candy, sodas, any deep fried foods, um, over processed foods. You have to eat clean. You got to feed the body. You got to feed the mind. And it's a machine that's going to be a high performance. Listen, whenever I give Nick Seriano something, he goes, Oh, wow. I can really tell his body is so tuned in. At that level, that no matter what I give him, he'll give me feedback like, ah, that didn't work as good as that. That works better. I am on fire with the stuff you just sent. So that's what we want to have. We want to have the high school kids in that same level. We want them to be aware of everything that goes in their body, how that will impact their performance, the way they think, how they respond, how they recover, all of that. Uh, yeah, I guess you can see I'm just a little passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you share me like meal plans like meal prep like hey you know this day you should be eating this this day you should be eating that is it down to that sort of level of detail or do you give a more broad instruction well it depends on the individual i'll break it down i'll go through every one of their reflexes and go okay here this is you this is your this is where you're weak this is where you need to rebuild this is where you need to clean out this is where you need to support the body and Let's go through every piece of food you put in your mouth, every drink you have, and we're going to test it and see if it tests. I do what's called O-ring muscle testing. It's applied kinesiology, and that allows me to do some distance testing. I know that sounds a little um, woohoo, but it works. Um, and I will walk through it. I'll look at everybody's diet. Matter of fact, um, Kevin Emily is a, a wrestling coach out east, and he had a kid. And he says, "Listen, we got we've got eight weeks, and our." Something like that. And he's uh, about eight pounds overweight. What can we do? And I said, send me everything he eats. Have him write it down. And I just simple adjustments, man. It's just, you just got, you can't be eating, um, loaves of bread. <laughs> you can't be having gravy. <laughs> you can't be having sodas and expect to lose weight. So it's, it's, you just got to tweak the diet. You know, you should be reaching for water. You should be reaching for, you know, and green teas, you, you know, instead of sodas, you should be reaching for fresh fruit instead of cookies and cakes and candies and chips. So it's it's that level that you just have to everything you put in your body has to work to support the process. Frank, I have to tell you, there's one thing that I can't get used to, and that's the image of you in a Thompson High sweatsuit. Talk about your online shop. <laughs> I know, but I love the color. I love the black and the red. <laughs> and actually, I have a, a line that, that uh, competitive edge. So if you go to compedge.us forward slash shoot, S-H-U-T-E, I have a black and red um, hoodies and singlet and fight shorts there that um, – it's pretty. It, it's 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 the Thompson High colors, but it's uh, it just looks really sharp. So, and of course, you can always buy my retro shirts that are um, on my site. So that's the one where I'm carrying the log in the shoulder, and it's also the Matt Monster shirt as well. 
So, um, but I do, I really love promoting the, the retro look, the, the Thompson high has some really, I think I like that, that, that design as well. Um, so, Hey, uh, you know, I, I did a thing on Facebook where I was wearing the Thompson high, like warm up jacket. And I was like, shh, don't tell anybody. I found this jacket at the last match. <laughs> I don't think Loudon will miss it. <laughs> Give everybody the address for for uh, the retro stuff too. Oh, okay. So that's just at shootshirts.com. S H U T E shirts.com. Check it out. Uh, I have photos there, a singlet. There. I actually have some, a few Vision Quest singlets. Uh, I have the retro. Uh, uh, Hoover singlet, retro, um, Thompson or Thompson high singlet. So, yeah, if you have the right size, I don't, I'm not restocking those. So whatever I have, you can get it. Frank, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing by following you either online or on social media. Please. Yeah. Check me out. I have a couple of, uh, Facebook, uh, <laughs> I have an account and I have a page, but, uh, so you just had to reach out to me, friend me there. I have a little, uh, vision quest, uh, underscore shoot 1985 on Instagram. And you can always check that out and competitive, uh, competitive edge. They're the ones that, uh, put the, uh, produce the, um, uh, the weekly uh, nutritional podcast that you can check out and uh, as many people uh, to get to that. I want to get it out there. I want it to be as, you know, user-friendly as possible. If you have some ideas of what you want to know more of, please reach out to me. Well, Frank, it's been a huge thrill getting to spend some time with you. I hope you'll come back sometime, share more of your stories and insights with us. You're fantastic, my friend. I appreciate it. Well, much appreciated, Chris. You guys, uh, take care. Thanks for having me on. Uh, wish you all the best. Thank you, Frank. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. I hope we get the opportunity to catch up soon. Wow, what a huge thrill to get to spend some time with uh, Frank Jasper. What a great man. What a great time. I, I talk about an actor, a bodybuilder, the things that he has done with holistic medicine, the impact that he's had on so many people's lives from those of us that love the movie and have watched it over and over and over again to the lives of wrestlers that are trying to do the things that they, uh, that they want to do and, and achieve their goals. And then from a nutrition perspective, so many aspects of what Frank has been able to bring to so many lives and impacted them very positively. And then just for this interview, huge thrill for me. My goodness, I've been a huge fan of this movie, uh, ever since I saw it. And um, it continues to have deep meaning for me to this day. So uplifting. Uh, what a great message. And then uh, to be able to talk with Frank about all of that and uh, hear his perspective and the things that the movie has meant throughout the rest of his life was, uh, was a lot of fun. Hopefully we get the privilege of catching up with Frank again soon. Let me remind you, compedge.us forward slash shoot. And then uh, shootshirts.com. And I've got a couple of things from uh, from the Shoot Shirt site. So uh, great stuff on there. I highly recommend if you're a fan of the movie, be sure to go out there and check it out. And then be sure to give uh, Frank a follow on Instagram. Again, that's visionquest underscore shoot 1985. Hopefully we get the privilege of catching up uh, with Frank again real soon. 